Hey everybody, welcome back to All The Things Podcast with Luke Tim. I am Luke Tim and uh, I'm the host for this episode with my good friend Duncan. Duncan was back in town. Um, We had an awesome podcast. This is a a pretty darn good one. Again, getting into that that sweet spot, I think, of uh, just stream of consciousness, yammering about stuff. So we actually intended on spending our time talking a little bit about uh, the controversy that happened just last week, it's kind of still going on, with Ilhan Omar and just the way that relates with Israel and Christian conservatives and their their support of bordering on obsession with <laughs> the, the state of Israel and what all of that means. Um, that was the idea, and literally that was it. We just kind of tossed that out as, hey, this is what we're going to talk about tomorrow no other planning, and then we ended up spending the first, I don't know, 30 minutes or something like that talking about uh, communication and um, preaching styles and, and just cool stuff. I, I mean, I guess if you're not if you're not a church-going person, it may not be the most interesting, but I think, it, yeah, you know what, it's, it's still interesting just to think about different ways in which we communicate with each other and how um, material and, and thought is presented, so... That was pretty cool, I think. Anyways, um, appreciate all the emails coming in. Um, if I don't get back to you right away, my bad. I'm trying. It's just hard. I'm a busy guy, so there is that. And uh, what's coming up this week? I've got... Uh, I'm heading out to Kenya tomorrow. It'll be Friday the 15th, so head to Kenya for uh, just over a week to, to visit the center that we have there for those uh, underprivileged and on-the-edge kids. Um, probably visit some coffee plants. So that Kari's coffee still going strong. Uh, if you're interested in that, it is uh, Kari'sCoffee.com. That is X-A-R-I-S-X-O-F-F-E-E.com. Um, if you want to follow me on Facebook, I'm Luke Tim on Facebook, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm Luke underscore Tim. Uh, email me all the things with Luke Tim at gmail.com. Like I said before, I will try and get back to you as soon as I can. And uh, that's it. Great episode. This was fun. Um, my guy Duncan always always comes through. And uh, I think I'm going to do one more podcast. Uh, might even get it out this week. I might upload it while I'm in Kenya. But uh, I'm going to do it fasting because, you know, that's, uh, that's comfortable. So, anyways, uh, without further ado, please give it up for my good friend, Duncan. Time no see, Duncan. Hello, people of the internet. Wasn't well, that not? It's not a long time no see. I mean, we played dodgeball. On we did. Have you have you recovered? <laughs> so, so our church had a fundraiser for the youth to go to the national youth gathering dodgeball tournament, and we put a pastor team together, thinking this will be fun. It turned into a whole lot of pain for you. I was fine. It's because you get shots. Because <laughs> I'm on the juice. Uh, actually, my. I had a weird thing happen where I got, I was fine. I got home and all of a sudden my ankle hurt so bad. I was like, I didn't twist it. Like there was no moment where I was in pain 
and all the rest of the day Sunday and all day Monday, I could barely walk. It was it was horrific. So I was doing everything. I'm, I'm doing the uh, naproxen. I've got the the little lidocaine patches on my ankle. I'm icing it, and it, it turned out like Tuesday. I just went. I, I skipped yoga. Uh, I did my lift on on Monday. I noticed there were no pictures. Yeah, <laughs> there was losing <laughs> pictures. So I skipped yoga because I, I mean I couldn't put weight on it, and I just went on the el- Dutch. yeah. I went on the elliptical and I just real slowly warmed it up, and then it evaporated. So like I don't know if I had a muscle just cramped right in my ankle or something, but it, I mean it disappeared. It's gone. Thrower's ankle. I have thrower's ankle. Dodgeball ankle. <laughs> Dodge so, ankle. So it was a lot of fun. But you pulled a glute that I thought was going to end you. <laughs> But that lasted that lasted for like ten minutes of oh my gosh I have to sit down, but then <laughs> but then by later that evening it was just it had moved down to the knees, typical middle age yeah this is just what it feels like to be middle age and then <laughs> and then uh, yeah it was it was rough I I was good I but, but we did we did win the bronze medal game and to be fair there wasn't a true second place if we'd have played that second place team we'd have beat them. Oh, we would have had more. Yeah. Because we, yeah. we, we lost to the team that ended up winning it all. It was single elimination. but And we didn't lose badly. No, we just – people stopped buying us back in. Yeah, there was that. And I couldn't – You could buy people back in. You could buy a blocker. You could buy blockers. You could buy yeah. high school kids to come play on your team. It was – and we just didn't have the funding to see it through. Yeah. And we, I, we had to secure more funding. <laughs> lock down the donors. <laughs> Next year we have to open My up. My poor our, wife spent a lot of money. <laughs> spent a lot of your money. <laughs> she, she, she did. We need to open up. But like it a, was worth it. We, we should sell coffee. We should start a pack next year for the. <laughs> we should. <laughs> <laughs> like a spench, special. I think interest. if we all wore the short shorts like Coop wore, we would have got more money to buy us back in. Yeah, I do not own short shorts. This is. I keep saying this to you. I'm. I'm happy to wear them, but. Christmas is coming up. At I'm some not point. buying short shorts. <laughs> There's, yeah, Joni, if you're listening, I. You know what though? I am still considering yoga pants. I I'd wear my yoga pants, but they don't look weird. They, they I mean they look a little weird. Yoga pants for dudes just look like sweatpants that are a little skinnier. Guys are wearing tights now, and my son wears tights. Yeah, under his shorts. Yeah. And he and I have had the talk on son, like, but he's everyone does it. And I'm like, no, they don't. Yes, they do. They actually do. Yeah. And I, it looks goofy. So I went out and bought a big baggy pair of like white cotton sweatpants. Comfortable. You can work out in them. Alyssa hates them. Why? I don't know. They're fantastic. For lifting. <laughs> <laughs> they're, one, they're big and baggy and, and, and the, the, the color's too light. They're not dark enough. And uh, so she went out and bought me a pair of, of approved. Uh, Alyssa approved? Workout gear. And it's too thin. I like the big baggy stuff. Well, she she, sure. she actually raises her heart rate. So that's probably what she's thinking is yeah, that you're going to get But you don't ever raise your heart rate. <laughs> Just push heavy things around. That's true. No, I do the elliptical like usually a few times a week. It's miserable though. Ellipticals aren't great for – did you, you get, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and get in like good shape? No. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> sorry, I forgot who I was talking to. <laughs> no, but running, running for me would be the answer. But treadmill running, I don't know. It's hard on your knees, and it's not real running. Yeah, 
That's a, that's, people always figure that, like, people think that running on a treadmill is the same as running outside, but you're not propelling your body weight anywhere. You're just, you're waggling your legs a lot. You're not, there's no, you're not pushing yourself. There's, you're not moving the, what are you, 275 now, 280, somewhere? Uh, easily. <laughs> I had a hard time getting my, my neck, my head through my shirt. With the, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. But we did that thing that I, I hate. We actually were starting to talk about I'm stuff. I'm almost legally allowed to park in the special spot out front. Yeah, all you have to do is take a – 300. A, is, it, is it really? The, well, the Simpsons episode. Remember Homer oh, ate himself right. to be 300 and yeah. he was disabled and he worked from home? And he got the little bird. And the little bird. That's right. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's his entire job. Why? 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 <laughs> oh, that was good. That was back when the Simpsons were good. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched them in years. They're still good. People just stop watching them. Yeah. Right? I, I haven't seen an episode in probably seven years. I start, I watched a couple episodes a few months ago-ish. Yeah. Still funny. And then I stopped – like why not watch it? It's funny. It's you know, it's not politically correct. It's great. And right. I stopped watching it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're just growing up and getting more mature. Is that if, it? If it's funny, it has to be offensive, right? I mean, and, and we can't we can't be offensive. Well, that is the thing about about On humor. All the things, yeah. Th- that's the whole point about humors is that it pokes fun at the edges of what's acceptable, and that's what makes it funny. This, in my opinion, I mean, <clears throat> this is why I'm like worried about the state of comedy in in the America in the safe space zone. Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. you you have to be able to get to the edge of what is acceptable and conventional thought otherwise. And I'm I'm a big comedy fan and the reason I'm a comedy fan I was just talking to Dan who has accepted the call to be pastor at Living Faith. All right. <laughs> um poached from Trumpy exactly stole that kid. Um I'm trying to help him with his preaching to to understand cuz he's a a teacher by trade to go from teaching to preaching. Uh, and he listens to this podcast, so he's not going to be surprised about any of this. Uh, I'm trying to get him to move from teaching to preaching. And part of his homework is going to be watching stand up comedy. Cause the closest analog to preaching is stand up comedy. I feel like we've had this conversation before. Have we? Yeah. Okay. But, but we, the, the, all the things is not. Okay. No, so, no, it, it's different. It's different. Right. You've got to react to what's going on. And I've always wondered why, why don't people raise their hand and ask questions during a sermon, right? If my job is to proclaim to you something that you will understand and you're not understanding it, I would like to know that. Yes. <laughs> well, well I, this is, that is a, a key difference between teaching and preaching. And I, I am not going to say that we do it the right way or that the way we do it is the right way. But I, I can say that the way in which we do it is specifically not conducive to raise your hand and ask a question because what you're, what you're doing in proclaiming is proclaiming something to be and you're not explaining what it is. Now, when, you, when you're done with that, it's also helpful to, on the other hand, explain what it is. But in a sermon, I, instead, of, instead of explaining how you're a sinner – I'm going to just tell you you are one, and I'm, and I'm going to proclaim it in ways that convict you so that you say, dude, he's right. I am one. Now, we can explain it later and be like, well, what that means is the Greek word hamartia. Is that right? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah something like that. And it's, it means to miss the mark. And it's a rebellion, Adam and Eve, original sin versus actual sin, blah, 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 blah. Like, I can explain all of that in a Bible study. But in a sermon, I'm just going to proclaim that it is. And that's, that is a, a big change in the way in which and, – and this is what comics do. And, and part of it too is um, I heard somebody describe uh, – I heard a stand-up comedian describe it as you get to a point when you're in the zone where you're thinking for the person. The, the person decides to stop analyzing what you're saying and start embracing it and accepting it and they'll analyze it later. But in that moment, and that's that's kind of what preaching is. I don't I don't want people. To, I don't want to think for people or or have them suspend their their brains. But I do want them to to sort of um, stop analyzing and just hear what I'm saying and get caught up in it and receive it as God's proclamation. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a big. It's diff- like I, I get sick of, of preachers like doing a serious exegetical deconstruction of a text in a sermon. In a sermon, man, you can you can do it, but you gotta be really good. <laughs> the thing I'm learning after how many years? Because um, we also have a, a new guy, Coop, good guy, short yeah. shorts and all. Yeah, he should start lifting weights. He's a wuss. And he really he's, is. He's Skinny, undisciplined, kind of fat too. Uh, he could. He's put on. Yeah. <laughs> in reality was I've he like warned him eight? about like look you're a pastor now the abs thing <laughs> it's, it's going away <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so no but just in in a sermon right you got you got to let people breathe right cuz you you're proclaiming and and you're there and you're and you're coming at them you know hard and fast and that's what she said and you got to you got to come up for air every once in a while and 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 tell a joke or you know a story or Something that lets the people in the room just, <sighs> yeah. Okay, let's go back in. Yep. You got to let them come up for air every once in a while, and and that's something that I've learned just in the last couple of years. That if you if you're doing twenty minutes of foot to the floor, foot to the floor proclamation law gospel, we're just going to go. We're going to grind it out. We're going to do this, and you know let people, <sighs> yeah, and, and and also give people entry points back into the sermon because you have to figure. Nobody is locked in for the entire sermon. Their mind wanders, you yep. know, and then, oh, shoot, I was just thinking about the casserole or where we're going to go to lunch after church or yep. the screaming baby or whatever it is. And if you're just doing a train of thought all the way through without stopping, there's no room for them to get back in. Yeah. You have to allow, you know, and so for my next point, okay, I can get back in, you know, yep. or something like that. You need to have entry points back in so that they can rejoin you and don't feel like, what did I miss? Yeah, I, I think it's like rebooting a computer. So when you get too many windows open on your on your desktop and you, you've got so many things going on in your computer, it starts to grind and slow down and so it's not responsive and you close everything out, reboot your computer, start over, and it's it's clocking again. The human brain kind of does that too. And that's that's how I use jokes is just in that moment where, man, I've, I've been deep into something for a bit and the joke just kind of <laughs> – everybody kind of wakes up a little bit. Giggles and laughs. I do that in funerals and weddings too, especially Nothing like a good funeral joke. I always tell a good joke in a funeral. Uh huh. It's it's great because what happens is like people get so like by the time you get to the sermon, man, we have had some heavy shit going on. You know, like there there's 
scriptures that, you know, are, are promising the resurrection, but reminding us of our sorrow and these songs that are now forever burned into the head. And you're looking at a box with a guy in it. And, Should I be happy and sad? And this yeah. is grieving, but there's family that I haven't seen for years. And yeah, and I don't it, know what to do. So you, you crack a joke. You say something funny about uh, I almost always try and say something funny about the dead person. Um because not in an insulting unless way. they're a child, then <laughs> Ooh, those what are was, the worst. So this is this is interesting because I was I was thinking on the way over here what what's the weird question I want to ask Luke and it was what's the worst funeral you've ever done? Oh, and easy. here we are. Yeah, the first funeral I ever did was the worst funeral I ever did. Um, kid, I didn't know who was uh, eighteen, no, younger than that. Uh-huh. He was still in high school. Uh, OD'd, um, uh-huh. had, had a drug issue. His mom had a drug issue, um, OD'd on a speedball and the entire school, big school let out for his funeral. So we had to have it in this ginormous, um, funeral home room overflow crowding. So I was not only in a room full of probably 300 high school students, but then I was like sort of internally telecast to these other rooms on screens. And so I, I kid has no faith that, that I'm aware of. I, I was invited to do this funeral and, and some people might question me doing the funeral. And, and I'm of the opinion that um, it's a great opportunity. Do you to want to tell this room of people about Jesus? Exactly. Yes, yeah. I do. And I, I made no promises about mm-hmm. this guy is in heaven and he's in a better place. Mm, did not say that. Um but I can tell you about Jesus and what he did for you. Yeah, and I can cra- – what I did is I, I crafted – I'll never forget that sermon. I crafted the message to essentially say this is a sad story, but it doesn't have to be your story and it doesn't have to be the end of the story. And this is why Jesus came. And I just – whoop. I, I, I talked about the, the guy in the box for – a minute <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. a 25 minute message on this, you know, death and resurrection and the, the whole reason Jesus did the Jesus thing, all of that. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> in, that, in that regard, it was good. But the bad part was I couldn't stop getting choked up. I mean, it was, it was, there was so many other tragic things. There was abuse and divorce and, a. a the a kid, sister kid who, didn't have a chance kind of thing. Yeah, it was just so yeah, bad. That's It was so ugly. Ugh. But I just sat there. I mean, like, I'd be in the service leading something to get a little choked up and just, oh, God, this is Isn't awful. the way it goes? You, for me, at least, in a funeral, there's there's that one point you don't know when it's going to come where it just it hits you. Yeah. You're like, I've been plowing through this with the family. It's been business. Like, let's get the sermon ready. Let's get the service ready. Make sure the organist is here, the bulletins, the ushers. Like, we're, we're, we're working. Yeah. And then somewhere in that service, you're, you're not the guy doing his job. Like, it, you're a human being and it hits you. Used to be that way for me. What I've learned to do is find a private time away from the family. Yeah, yeah. And just cry and, and beat my chest, rend my clothes, do all that kind of stuff. It, it get it over with, and then uh, just just it's almost like a little like a little pressure valve, you know. Just and it, I just had one <clears throat> great guy, father <clears throat> of uh, one of our families here, who moved here from Arcadia and has been coming to our church off and on, visiting his family for ten years at least. I've been here, 
and just joined the church about three years ago. Um, so they've been they've been our people for a long time. Great guy, sudden heart attack, just gone. Mm-hmm. And it was you know in the I spent the entire day in the hospital with the family, and I had that moment when his daughter. Um, was talking and just expressing phenomenal faith and just like everything you want in a funeral was this funeral. I mean, other than a dead guy, <laughs> everything else was awesome. But uh, just I, I choked up and, and I was, you know, in tears watching her struggle and deal with it. But that was so good for me because I got it over with and mm-hmm. I, I could just sail right through that funeral like it was no big deal. But yeah, I, I think that back to preaching all that, there there is a useful reset that it's <clears> – <throat> I mean the joke doesn't need to be theological. It doesn't need to teach. That's not the point. The point is about the human brain and, and the way the brain works to kind of like rattle itself free and – Release valve. Yeah. Now I'm listening again. Woo-hoo. Yep. Get back into it. Yeah. So there you go. We figured out preaching. It's Yeah, it's not hard. Or it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's something you can always do better. Yeah. And that's where I, I these guys getting out of SEM, they they idolize certain preachers. You're going, that guy's really good at what he is doing. Yeah. Don't try to be like him. Find your style. Embrace it. Always seek to improve. Mm-hmm. But don't try to be like somebody else. Because your people that are listening will know, this, this seems like a performance. This isn't. Yes. It's and, disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're doing somebody – and this is back to back to stand-up comedy. A comic can't do somebody else's bit. Like if it's this funny story about this time that I was <clears> – <throat> like let's say I'm I'm me as a comic and I'm doing, you know, white guy, uh, middle-aged, grew up in suburban America. Like that's my thing and now I'm going to try and steal Dave Chappelle's <laughs> material where he talks about – They're going to know. They're going to figure it <laughs> yeah. out, right? I mean, like, this doesn't seem – Right? You can't. The mean streets of where? <laughs> Minneapolis suburb. Why is that in Minnesota? You know. In the hood. With all those. You mil- ain't never been. <laughs> That's right. why I said in Minneapolis. <laughs> oh, the 612. Um, yeah, it's just not the same. It's just you can't, you can't steal people's delivery or material. You, you can learn from it, but you got you to gotta have your own voice. I had a. My first church, we uh, we went into a vacancy. There's a vacancy pastor came in to help us out. Great guy, like all American dad, servant heart. Like he would visit you in the hospital. Like he just knew when you were a great pastor in that vein, right? Great associate, kind of you know. But when he would get up to preach, he had a normal voice, like talking you, me, whoever, normal guy voice oh, no. would get behind the pulpit, and all of a sudden. Kermit the Frog would come out of nowhere, and you're going, dude, what? You're kidding me. He And he didn't know. And so we're there like, does someone want to tell him? Like, <laughs> you're a great guy. Like, just be you in the pulpit. He turned into Kermit the Frog when he would preach, and it was very, very distracting to the point where years later, I don't remember a thing that he said, only that he turned he had into- a weird voice. Like he a had preaching a voice. weird preaching voice. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do the the weird preaching voice. Oh, that's so you can weird. enunciate like louder and more clearly because you're public speaking. You're not droning on on a podcast, but right. But yeah, just bizarre. And I I I've always disliked the 
there's there's almost like this Lutheran formula, old school formula of preaching that is like this, 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 this. There's like a pattern of volume, louder, 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 and then and then we come back down, and we're gonna hit this. That's everybody. That's every preacher. No, but there's there's this. We're just bad at it. No, there's there's usefulness in, in changing your tone and dropping your tone, and I and I definitely do that. I absolutely do that. But there's like a a Lutheran, I don't know, a pattern that I I heard growing up from so many different preachers. Where I was like, do they teach this? Is there like a cookie cutter that was like, all right, and then like two minutes in, you need to raise your voice and then drop it low, and then about two minutes later, you need to do it again, and then drop your voice. Bothered me. Bothered me growing up. I don't do it. So the new thing that I've heard out of Fort Wayne is oh, you don't use inflection and you don't use hand gestures. You let the word do its thing. And that if you add to the word, you're somehow taking away from the word with your own personality and your mannerisms and such. Well, then the best preaching would be to write an awesome sermon and hand it out. <laughs> read this on your own. <laughs> Alexa, read my sermon. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that makes no sense to me. Makes no sense. Yeah, you you don't want to make it like your smooth delivery and then have like no content or bad content. And then the worst thing happened to me. <laughs> there I was. <laughs> like what? what? Um, so let's we let okay. So let's talk about hard turn. Yeah, because no, I read articles to learn about, about things, all, all the things, some would say. All the things. Um, you asked me to come on and we were going to talk about Ilhan Omar. Yeah, Ilhan Omar, who was just officially, not officially, specifically. Passive-aggressively. Uh, Passive-aggressively admonished as Quit being – hating on the Jews. Yeah, hate speech and anti-Semitism is wrong. All she did was ring the bell. Right. I mean, she she did the trigger thing because nothing that she said was overtly. I hate Jew. No, not at all. <laughs> However, we use some phrases and lingo that have been used by people who hate the Jew. And when when I listened to her, when she she said something about it's all about the Benjamins and people were like, oh, that's that's Jew hate because people think that they're you know, money grubbing and all of those phrases have been used. And she Came back and was like, uh, I can see that. I didn't mean it. My bad. And she seemed sincere. And I was like, oh, okay. But her point stands that there's a lot of money from special interest groups. And she she said, like, if, if I was talking about the special interest group of, and money that's the NRA, nobody has a problem. If I talk about the special interest groups with all the money that is about you know this group, nobody has a problem. I say it about Israel, everybody has a problem. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's, here's my take and you, you can shred this because I'm not – this is not – there's no expert level behind this. It's just mm-hmm. general observation. So she used – and it wasn't just that phrase, the Benjamins. There were other phrases that she used that are triggers for anti-Semitism, right? And it's weird that she didn't know that those were triggers, which tells me she's hanging around with people who use those phrases in everyday conversation – and that says more about the people that she's with and the the phrases and words that they use and her not being smart enough to realize, hey, 
other people and other groups over here don't like those phrases that my people are using. Yeah. And I think, I think it, 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 it doesn't, you're not peering into her heart. I, I think you can make a case that, um, well, we'll go there later. Um, it says more about the people that she's around and the phrases that are used with her people than what is in her heart. On the other hand, I think it points to, we don't always elect the smartest people to be our representatives. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because she comes from a, a, a highly Somalian and uh, Muslim uh, area. So the, the people who elected her elected the best representative for them. Mm-hmm. Which is where I go, boy, that sounds American-ish, you know? Like that's the thing we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so the argument I think you're making is that that she's tone deaf and she's tone deaf because she's only been hearing Echo one chamber. tone <laughs> for a long time. And some of the people who speak that tone don't like the Jews. Oh, for sure. Yeah, nobody's – and this is what's so interesting is um, the – those who – there's there's a conflict. This this cognitive dissonance is happening, where people are so. Well, you, you we cannot just lump Islam into a group, and now all of a sudden they're going, oh, we're totally have to lump this Islamic thing into a group of anti-Semites. But they're not all anti-Semites. But they're, I mean, they, they are, but they definitely but we can't aren't. Say- <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. We can't. So so I I actually love this moment in time because it's presenting this. Where, where we've tried to, for the longest time, have this postmodern, all truths are true, nothing conflicts with anything. And, and then, like, you bump into something, you're like, actually, it does. <laughs> so they're, they're in her name, she has a name, <laughs> she was elected, here it is, this is the person that is the, the place where things come into conflict. Um, that's what's, so if, if there was any benefit to 9-11... I'm gonna I'm gonna try and <laughs> I'm gonna try and circle this back to that keep going. Yeah, I'm gonna try and not dig my own graves here. Is uh, I saw 9/11 as, and I think I've said it on the podcast. It's the the first nail in the coffin yeah. of postmodernism, where we go. You know, we can't say anybody's wrong or anybody's right, and then like that all religions are the same, leading up the same path to God. Yeah, we all. What about that guy's religion? Yeah, everybody collectively looked at the burning towers and were like, okay, that's wrong. <laughs> that yeah, we, objectively – There is a line somewhere. Yeah, and yeah. other people were saying, no, that's right. They, they were saying, Alu Akbar, and this is right. And all of America said, no. We're going to have to bomb you now. Yeah, and so on the other side of that, like we, we tried to return a little bit and be like, no, that's just a few people. They're the crazies. That's not a real religion. Right. That's not, that's not a legitimate – If you that's re- not approved speech. If you really – yeah. <laughs> right. So <laughs> what? Yeah. So all of these white, Protestant, progressive uh, dimwits in America started to try and say, well, that's not what real Islam is. Unless you read history. Well, yeah. But who are you to say that what – like you – you're a. You're not Muslim, <laughs> and and you didn't grow up there, and you so you're just making this blanket statement because you you you're, it, it talk about uh, confirmation bias to the extreme. There's no there's no evidence being misinterpreted. There's just a conclusion being come to that all religions are about the same sort of thing, and nobody's wrong, nobody's right. So obviously they're not wrong, and and Islam isn't wrong. Therefore, those people, those few people, they're not really Muslims. 
Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they think they are. They, they, they're willing to die for it. Yeah, and there's a That's, lot of and, – and like you have a better opinion than all of their imams <laughs> who are teaching them that, those who study it. You read an article on Wikipedia. <laughs> they're living it to like everything. No, and it, it – the argument that like, well, OK, Christians, but violence was done in the name of your God and they're doing violence in the name of their God. So who are you? So when the difference is I can't point to I'm doing violence in the name of my religion because the leader of my religion, Jesus, used violence. Mm. Muslims can say, yeah, and Muhammad used violence to accomplish his religious ends. I don't think any Muslim would deny that at the start of their religion, the founder of their religion, who does serve as the example for how they are to live, used violence to achieve his ends. Yeah. So that's that's the – for all you – Postmodern, like all truths are equal out there. That's that's different. Yep. So what I, the thing I find the most intriguing about this Ilhan Omar case is why her? Because she looks different. That's it. And it's the it's the left. It's the it's not, not the progressive progressives like Ocasio uh, and and Bernie and all of them because they came out. And they were like, there's, there's been a handful who've come out and said, dude, she didn't really say anything. Like she's saying we should talk about something and you guys are saying we can't talk about it. But she, she is the poster child for the progressive left. She is not white. She is not male. She is not Christian. Yeah. And the, and so she is the target. You wear a thing on your head. You have a nose ring. You are Muslim. Your name is, sounds different. You're not from here. And so you you are the poster child for everything in, from some people's perspective that's wrong with America. Well, and listen, listen, like if you if you scrub the the categories a little bit, and just when I say to you that there's somebody being reprimanded in Congress because they said something, and the reason is is because the, it wasn't a white male. If a white male had said what she said. Their party would have no problem with it. But because it was a brown Muslim woman, that party is angry and is reprimanding. You'd be like, oh, that must be Republicans. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the parties are switching. It's weird. <laughs> because they're tribes. They don't stand for we, – we talked about this before. There's no cohesive – uh, philosophy or ideology for each party—it's just tribalism. Yeah, Trump. Trump is is not a conservative. I mean, but people are for for the Republicans now. All of a sudden, Trumpism is the way to go. Yeah. Trumpism is a mixture of competing ideologies. Yeah, and it's it's not a consistent political philosophy. Nope. Uh, but he's our guy, and so we support him. Yep. And the Democrats over here, this is our person. We support them. I think the reason why Ilhan and Ocasio-Cortez are receiving so much publicity, I would argue more from the right than from the left, is because they know these people are not very smart. They're freshmen. They're going to step in it. We want them to be the spokespeople for their party. But they are smart in a different way. So I don't disagree that they don't know stuff. <laughs> no, I'm saying that's what that's what yeah. the right is thinking. That's why we want we want to give a microphone to to these two women because I think we that's think a bad idea. Uh, because the American public 
doesn't necessarily vote off of the smartest ideas, a.k.a. Trump. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's a lot about presentation. And man, AOC is brilliant at like... The, the short little comeback, the little the burns, the the little sound bites, the way she she speaks like she, a millennial. She is yes. fluent in millennial, and so she speaks like us. She looks like us is a big thing. Yeah, and just just her the way she utilizes social media, dude, she's killing it. She's killing it. Her popularity um, is going to soar. It, she she is in pockets. Well, oh, I think the the most important pocket, which is the middle, no. Yep. The middle likes her. The middle likes her because um, she's the, they, they, they like her for the same reason that they like Trump. Yeah. Burn it to the ground. And he won. That's what I'm saying. But he didn't but he didn't win the majority. He won the Electoral College. Which is the point. You don't have to. But you're saying all of America's rallying to her. No, no they're not. No, no. I, I said I think she's winning the most important piece and the middle. The 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 not left, not right. Because if she were to go, if she were to run for president when she's old enough, which is a whole crazy other thing, like she's not even old enough. But if she, if she, she would lose, she would go down in flames. Well, she would get. So if she was the candidate for the left, mm-hmm. the whole left votes for her. Like you just win the left, you win that forty five percent. You win the you win the try because you're blue. Yeah, and then the middle watches, and it, it like let's say there was a debate or something where she has no real content, and and after the debate. People are like, you know, she didn't say anything and we're, all the analysts are deconstructing it and coming up with all of these, you know, this fact was wrong. This fact was wrong. This fact was wrong. Well, some analysts say that. Other analysts, she's playing four-dimension yeah. underwater chess, kind of, you know, brilliant. And the right? people in the middle are going to be like, I think she's cute and I, and I like her. I'll vote for her. I don't think she's likable though. Oh, she's likable to a lot of people in the middle. But not to me. I was listening to just her oh, no. voice. Oh, yeah, of She course. has that, like, liberal arts major go away. Yeah. <laughs> like, just not a real human. I heard somebody call it um, – this is a comic, Burt Kreischer. Uh, just busts in there with that liberal arts confidence. <laughs> <laughs> that is so – Accurate. It's like, dude, I have a four-year degree where I majored in social studies. I'm like, cool. That's great. Here's some paste. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. No, you're in the real world, and the way things actually work are about to roundhouse kick you to the face. Um, I, I think she does. I think she's attractive to a lot of people who who are just fans of Instagram stars and social media wizards. And but they don't vote. That is part of the problem. But you're going to get the 45 to the left. And as Trump showed, you just have to win in pockets in the rest of the country and you win. You don't have to win the the popular vote. I think for the next 20 years, branding someone a socialist is the mark of Cain. I think 20 years from now, it becomes a question mark and, and who knows what it will be like. But I still think there's enough of America that understands the dangers of a large – Government. Yeah, I, I think that the problem is socialism, but I think that if you can run on socialist platforms, you can still win. I think Bernie would have beat Trump. No, oh, I do. I not at all. Because so, well, 
regardless, that, that's a debate we could have another time. But I, the, the problem is when you when you label somebody a, like he believes in socialism, meaning this person. Bernie, Bernie's got so many skeletons in his closet, things he's said, things he's done. Yeah, but Trump does. But Trump voters don't care. Yeah. Sanders voters, I mean. No, the left will vote for him. Right. The, and the middle won't. I mean, of course the left. Of course. Yeah. But no, I, I think I, Sanders, I mean, it'd be a huge risk if he gets nominated that we're rolling the dice with if this doesn't pan out, we have a socialist president. So I don't think it's worth the risk. Right. But I do think if he gets the nomination, it's, it's, a, it's a Reagan-Mondale clean sweep. We'll see. I mean, he's not going to get the nomination. I don't think so either. But the, where, where I was going with that is – Because man, are you old. Yeah. <laughs> he is really old. <laughs> but like socialism is, is this idea that the government runs all things, all industry, all – Controls uh, the means of production. Right. Yeah. But nobody is opposed – nobody in America is really opposed to anything socialist. Like if it's socialist, I don't want it. I've had, and I've said this countless times. I just don't the want the negative consequences that come with it is what Americans are thinking. Well, they, I mean everybody the wants – The problem is we have never tried socialism. I mean Venezuela, you, you suck, right? But we've never tried socialism in a – what would it look like for the government to control the means of the internet? Right. And that's where we haven't really thought through. It's one thing when the government controls the steel mill. Right. It's, it's bad. But I can still go and – talk to my neighbor and communicate to people that I want to communicate. My, my freedom of speech is not in, is not hindered. Right. When the government controls the internet, which is the means of communication, now it gets a little bit interesting. And so I don't think we know what a true socialist, if America became socialist, what the ramifications of that are outside of just economic, but more social, Right. what it means for our ability to communicate with each other, to move freely well, America is never going to become socialist, but there's socialist things in America. I mean, sure. we, we're all for government-funded schools. No, we're not. We have a public school system. <laughs> not all of us are in favor of it. <laughs> right. It's a terrible idea. But the majority sure. of Americans, if Who you were educated <clears throat> in the public school system, <clears throat> think that we should have public school systems. Absolutely. Public-funded police officers. We had this debate. That's where you got me. That's a legitimate function of Firefighters, government. roads. I mean there's – we're never going to be purely capitalist, private everything. The, the debate is really only how far this direction or how far that direction. And that's, a, that's an interesting debate. But like what, what the right is good at doing is labeling somebody as a socialist and saying they want socialism. They want the government to run everything. And it's really hard for the left. I don't know why it's really hard for the left, but because they, they are not everyone, not all of them. Not no, not all of them. But why can't but the, this new breed? I think does think some of them do that. If that <clears throat> that if if people like me were in charge of making more decisions, there would be a better outcome. But they the only reason that they're that way is because they're young and they haven't been bribed enough. That's all that really needs – because what happens is at some point when they're like, you know, the government should run everything, they just – Somebody I, slips you some Benjamins. Yeah, the, exactly. <laughs> Careful now. Somebody backs up a truckload of cash and says, I think it would be better if we stayed private. And they go, you know, I, I've rethought my position on that <laughs> and I agree. I think it would be better. 
Like we're, we're too entrenched. I mean, there's just no way. There's no way that all of the industry can become government run because the industry has too much money. I mean, it would take – And it's a bad idea. Agreed. But I'm saying that's the, the practical application of why it can't happen, why, why that bad idea can't be implemented is it would – you'd have to use the military. Like you would have to march physically soldiers into – what is it like one infinity loop or whatever to take over Apple and be like, this is ours now. Because Apple's going to be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just, no. <laughs> we have shareholders. I mean that's a whole other issue is like – so now the government runs the thing and shareholders are like, well, hold on. So you'd have an uprising in your average American who owns any stock. Like, well, mm-hmm. hold on. So what happens to my shares of Apple, right? Oh, I thought we lost it for a second. Yeah, when it just blinkied. We're fine. Yeah, exactly. You it's, said Apple, and now the bots have started listening. Interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Hello. No, I think the other problem is is it's you, you, you look for who's the voice for making the argument for limited government and freedom, right? And so you, look to the, you used to look to the GOP. They're not the limited government party anymore. So where do you go? Libertarians, mm-hmm. right? That's the natural – oh, liberty, libertarians. It makes sense, right? But they blew an opportunity in the last election to mm-hmm. become a viable third party by being sane yep. and saying – we think government governs best that governs least, and here's why. Instead, they're like hookers and drugs. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. <laughs> right? Like, but I'll be honest. Given, I can get behind that. But they were behind hookers. They were given the microphone and said, these two parties over here are one big cluster. They're kind of the same thing. What do you guys say? And instead of saying, see, this is a great example of why you don't want the government to have a lot of power because you have a Hillary and you have a Trump. Mm-hmm. One of them's going to be behind the wheel. Yeah, you, you don't want them behind the wheel of a tank. You want them behind the wheel of like a little midget car. Yeah, they can't do a lot of damage that way. Instead, hookers and drugs. Like you guys blew it. Yeah. So who is the voice, the national voice for making the case for limited government, fiscal responsibility, balanced budget? Nobody. No, and that's why we're sailing off that we've been sailing off the cliff for a while. We're sailing off the cliff with twenty-two trillion dollars in debt. And it's interesting to me that in the discussion of Fed policy, this is really going to get the listeners. Yeah, let's talk, drum in now. Drum of, in. A you know, couple of pastors talking Fed policy. <clears throat> we know what we're talking about. But in Powell's um, decision to basically not increase interest rates this year, even though that was what we were going to do, all the discussions are pointing to, oh, it's because the economy is weakening. No, it's not. The rate of growth of the economy is slowing down, but the economy is still forecast to grow way into the future. Nobody's – I mean there's a very small percentage of, of people that do this are forecasting a recession. I think the reason why he put the brakes on raising interest rates is we're $22 trillion in the hole. Mm-hmm. If we raise interest rates, we're raising interest rates on $22 trillion and we, we, we hit that uh, – that kind of point of no return where the interest on the debt becomes – not just the debt. The interest on the debt becomes unaffordable and the rate of increase on the debt because of the rate of increase in the interest on the debt sends us into oblivion. Yeah. Is, is more dangerous to the economy and to the Fed's benchmarks of uh, employment and inflation than raising interest – than, than failing to raise interest rates. Yeah. 
I'm kind of in the weeds on that one. I don't really follow that stuff. You should. It's, uh, but you, we will make you care. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I own guns. Because when it all collapses, it's the people with ammo and whiskey who if you run can the aff- world. If you can afford the ammo and the whiskey. <laughs> oh, I've got it stockpiled, bro. <laughs> afford it. <laughs> it's in my basement right now. No, but I mean that's why Venezuela, 10,000% inflation. Yeah. Right. I mean and that's the only way for us to – if we ever decide to dig out of debt, you got to inflate your way out. Yeah. But, but circling back to what, what kicked all this whole thing off is the – You really don't want to talk about this, do you? No interest whatsoever. It's because it's not interesting. <laughs> but it's relevant. It is. It's, it is a necessary conversation. I, I think Like the that, one you have with your doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to Ilhan Omar. I just find it so intriguing that the third – Israel is the third rail you can't touch. Why is that? Why why are so many Americans and so many Christians so pro-Israel? Don't so, get it. So we talked a little bit back and forth on Facebook yesterday. I think if you named Israel a different – if you named it something else, the, the nation Israel, if you called it – What did we call it? Something Stan. <laughs> I can't remember. Damascistan or something. Something, right? <laughs> yeah, just some Middle Eastern sounding name. Nobody would care. Yeah. But because the word Israel is used in the same way that uh, Omar's remarks, um, you know, Pavlov's dogs who rang a bell because we said certain words and it triggered things. The word, the name Israel triggers things because yeah. Israel, hey, I was reading in my Bible, there's Israel all over the place. Therefore, the Israel today is the Israel that I'm reading in my Bible because it's the same word and going I think they represent very, very different things. Yeah, and even if it is the same, it is still not Israel. Because, I mean, if if Israel is God's chosen, the means by which Christians should should get their heads around, the means by which you you are God's chosen is no longer by being born an Israelite. That changed? (laughs) New Testament? Ever read it? (laughs) Like, it's a thing. So we, I, it's I, not a geographical thing, nation state. Right. Right. And, and that's, but, but we use the same name. We use the same word. Yeah. Israel is not, this is the question I was asking is, is Israel significant? Is it special to God? This is an interesting debate. Well, no. See, I know people who say yes, because it's, it's almost like, um, the nation state Israel. No. I know people who say yes, and they'd be wrong. Who are who are God fearing Lutheran Christians? And so my question to them is: Okay, so the the geographic territory of Israel today does not exactly correspond to the geographic territory of Israel thousands of years ago. You can't argue that. So what happens if the geographic territory of Israel today migrated? We still called it Israel, but it just moved five hundred miles north. Still significant. The geographic territory of Israel, we call it Israel. It's a nation state named Israel. No longer encompasses, is, no longer is, Jerusalem is no longer encompassed by the nation state of Israel. Does it matter then? Well, I think there's two we, camps. Some would say yes. Well, what's and some the answer? Would say because no. if you answer that question, yeah, it still matters, then it's, then it's, well, in name only. If you're going to argue geographic territory, well, how much of the geographic territory today has to line up with the geographic territory in the Old Testament? And at what point in the Old Testament are we talking about? Because the boundaries okay. of Israel, 
in your Old Testament are constantly changing. So the, those who on the on the side of Israel holds a special significance to God um, that is different from others who are not in His kingdom, they would the the, the analog the, the sort of comparison I think that I would use to to describe their thinking is in the same way that communion elements having having been used to deliver the goods of of our Lord post ceremony post post worship service are still treated with honor the same people who who are so, super big on not cremation right so the body though it's dead we don't cremate it because it, we it was honor it we want to honor it there's like a there's a an honor to the people of Israel not connected to the land that the descendants of Abraham that we say they have a special significance, not d- a salvation significance, but a special significance. Go ahead. So two things. So I think there is something for Christians, there is something about the land, right? Not the nation state, but the land. So that's because the other camp. Yeah. Important things happened here. Yeah. And so for us, is it magical? No. But God did really neat things on this patch of earth that he has not done anywhere else, whether it's named the nation state of Israel, whether it's Muslim controlled, Christian controlled, whatever special things happened here. Yeah. And that, but does, but, but, but that's different from nation state of Israel is special. Nation state of Israel is a nation state that has a name that triggers things in the minds of many people because they read their Bibles. Yeah. The people, I don't think you want to you want to go down that road that the people with DNA that we may be able to trace back to Old Testament people are special and and I want to be careful how I say this because it sounds holocausty but 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 no <laughs> and you don't want to sound holocausty <laughs> no but the, the the did God treat them with kit gloves because they were descendants of Abraham if anything no. God was a little more stern with them because he had higher expectations of them. So, for example, the Israelites' wilderness wandering, oh, I'm going to make everything easy and fun for all of you because you're descendants of Abraham and all of you are going to pass into the promised land. No. Mm, Nope. No, they didn't. And throughout history, God has high standards for his people. And when they apostatize, when they don't follow him, he will do what it it takes to turn them back. Right. So I don't think you can make the case that that because your people that God sent the Christ through your ancestors that today you're a special class of people. I don't I don't like I don't like where that takes us, but I don't like the other side that says kind of the well you guys killed Jesus, so we're going to take it out on you today. Ooh, that's a, that's it's a bad the whole, look. it's the right. <laughs> no, it's the whole being punished or rewarded for the sins or good deeds of your ancestors. Yeah. I think the people who are, who are tied into the dirt that Israel is a place is significant. That comes out of the, the premillennial postmillennial uh, poor reading and exegesis <laughs> of right. the book of revelation. And I was actually, so I was teaching a revelation class and um, that's I, a good idea. I brought that. I, I teach it about twice a year. I love, love that book. And uh-huh. so I'm teaching it. And I was talking about how 
you know, some people, I, I can't believe they, they read this in a way that says because Israel, you know, in, in the 40s, all of a sudden Israel is a nation state. We are moving towards the return of Jesus. It's any minute now. It's going to happen because we did we this. We have a flag that says Israel. Yeah. And it, and it, okay. And it's presented yeah. in a way like we did it. We're advancing the kingdom. Because we did this, we're speeding the return of Christ. I'm talking about all this. And I'm not kidding about half of the class who are old school rock star Lutherans were like, yeah, that's what my pastor taught back then. Uh, yeah. Okay. I was like, in a Lutheran church? And they're like, yeah. Okay. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> this isn't good. But oh, there's we're 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 so, we're so naive. We're, we're naive, I and mean, it's, it's it's the worst worst interpretation of that bit of scripture you can come to that somehow we can speed on the return of Christ if we. So here are our benchmarks. First, <laughs> by by naming a country a thing from the Old Testament. Yeah. We're, we did it. Now the, the return is imminent and they, there can't be a return. There's, well, I'm going to create a nation and name it Gog and then I'm going to create a second one and name it Magog, <laughs> Magog. and see what happens then. <laughs> they would go – they would lose their minds. How about this? I will I will name my house Gog. <laughs> my house will be Magog. And we'll see what happens. <laughs> what is right between our two where we live? It's like Urbandale? Yeah, yeah that's, that's Watch where, out. It's, it's where it's going down. <laughs> Watch out, Urbandale. <laughs> Coming for you? No, I called. Um, I am. I, I yeah. I mean, it's it, it's silly that you, you you name the flag of it Israel, yeah. and now it becomes this the Old Testament thing. No, you don't get to do that. And people don't get to speed the return of Jesus. You can't force his hand. And it's it, there's this. I'm, I'm serious. There's a, an evangelical core of people who believe that evangelical Christians are behind it because they think. That Jesus can't come back unless there's an Israel. Like and there's a come big bat, depending on your pre or post trib, right? Yeah, it could be a thousand years before, a thousand years after. We're not entirely sure, but there has to be an Israel. Well, there might need to be a war. Uh, there might need uh, to be Armageddon before the real, you know, they're, depending on how they, yeah. they read that. So, no. Uh, and this is, I will come like a thief in the night. Yeah, and nobody knows the day and the time. Yeah, so so there you go. Um, but that's that. I think is a big chunk of the the reaction that's going on is um, because even like even a lot of Democrats are whether they have faith or they don't have faith, they still feel a need to illustrate that they do have a have a, a Christian affiliation. Like there's a, a meme going around about Nancy Pelosi Ash and, Wednesday. Yeah. Has the ashes on the forehead, Ocasio? There's another one with her with the ashes on, right? So, can you? I mean, that, that's a whole different debate. Can you can you hold the position of abortion and other things so vehemently, and and can you just be ignorantly wrong about that? And also, a Christian, I, I don't want to get into that. Regardless, it doesn't seem as though they act out of a, a Christian response. Like anything else, Pelosi or Ocasio, you, you just change gears a lot, what? change direction. Now we're talking abortion. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, it, so from their platform, I, you never hear, you never hear Pelosi or AOC start with, "Listen, my faith has greatly informed my thinking on this." Okay, so you, you go, okay, so and I'm fine with that. So your faith does need to inform the the position you have on our economy. <laughs> Cool. Like inflation or no inflation, if you love Jesus or not, I don't really care. But make the economy go good and me happy. Mm -hmm. 
But now they do have to have we have to have these ashes on as a as a bit of a signal to Christians. Eh, we're on your team. We're definitely on it's your okay, team. Okay, Christians, just, just yeah. let us. I think that's what's behind their Israel thing. Is if they if they don't take a stand, they, they realize that in the middle there are these evangelicals who believe Israel has to be Israel because of my faith in Jesus. So there's a great Thomas Sowell quote. It says, politicians aren't concerned about your problems. They're not trying to solve your problems. They're trying to solve their problems. The number one and number two are getting elected and reelected. Mm-hmm. And whatever's number three is Never addressed. <laughs> right. And I think we have to understand that polit- the goal of politicians, their job is to stay in office, is to get elected and reelected. And the minute you say, yeah, but not my guy. My guy's a true believer and he's there to be – no, he's there to get elected and reelected. That's not a bad thing. In a representative republic. Right. Because that means that whatever the people want, they're going to give the people so that they stay in power. Right. I, and and so to me, it's – isn't it interesting that even in extreme left-leaning districts, right, it is still beneficial to tip the hat to Christianity? And I think – That tells me that we have – Christians have – more influence in liberal circles than we think liberal pagan circles than we give ourselves credit for. Yes. And it, I think there's this, um, we can get in an, in an echo chamber in our, in our specific denomination, we can get this echo chamber that, well, all Christians, if you're really a Christian, true Christians, true Christians are Republicans, Christians that are fake Christians, right. still Christians. you got to be conservative and you got to be Republican. So, okay. So full disclosure, are you a registered Republican? no, Oh, wait. Um, no. And neither am I. I was for a minute. So, right. Because I wanted to go do the thing. What is the thing you do in Iowa? The straw? The caucus. Caucus. I caucused. You have to be registered to do that? If you, Yeah. Good. I get to stay home. I, I, I'm not registered anything because – I mean if, if you look at how the parties behave, I'm going to go a little different direction. So the wall, the, 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 the Trump wall thing mm-hmm. is interesting to me because – you Republicans, like you're big, like we need to build this wall or we're all going to die kind of thing. And I don't doubt that our border policy and security needs improved. 100% with you on that. But you are easily deceived and naive if you don't think this is a move for them to get reelected. They had two, oh, yeah. they had two years with Trump where they could have passed as much border wall funding as they wanted to. So they wait until the Democrats take control of the House to shut the government down, to here I stand. They're having their moment right now. You guys could have done this a month earlier. Yeah. And and and, no, and the Democrats could not have stopped you. The minute you build the wall, it's an issue that you can't run on. Yeah. Because as long as there's a wall that, needs, that your constituents think needs to be built and isn't built, and you're the guy or girl that's going to get it done, you get votes. That is the whole – I mean the whole thing with Obama and Obamacare. He had a lot of time to pass legislation, and even when they passed Obamacare, they didn't need Republicans in on it. They're like, oh, we want this to be bipartisan. No, you don't really want the thing that you're selling. You- but that was a moment of their true believers. They actually got something done. It was no, no longer an issue. They can Obamacare, they got it done. But it was garbage, and they knew yes. it was garbage. Everybody knew it was what – they, what they Obamacare said- was designed to be step one to single payer. But why not just go single payer? Because you wouldn't get reelected. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. saying the same so, thing. Yeah. I'm saying that's the same reason. That's the same thinking behind that. That is the wall. 
the like you said, the why not just do the wall a, when you, a year when you, ago? when you had both houses and the right. and the present. Yeah. Why not do single payer when Obama had all of that? Because you won't get real. Yeah, you don't really want it. You want to make it look like you want it. Like Trump is making it look like we're fighting so hard for this wall. Well, and, and I you really didn't have to. Well, and the whole <laughs> thing on abortion too. Oh, now we're pro-life. Now that the Democrats control the House of Representatives, now we're going to pass pro-life legislation. You could have done it back in November mm-hmm. in in the lame duck session. There's nothing they can do. Yeah. But you wait until you know it won't happen so you can run on. And that is the biggest the biggest beef I have with Republicans is you claim to be the party of life. You claim to be the anti-abortion party. And you're not. You give token gestures mm-hmm. and, 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 and meaningless things. You still fund Planned Parenthood. Yep. That's an easy one to be like, if your company provides abortions, you get zero federal funding because, oh, it's not being used for abortions. It's the same umbrella. It's under the same umbrella. Yeah. Of course it is. We, we use this money to pay for the rent and then the, the utilities. This money goes for but abortion. This didn't pay for the vacuum and the crushing tools and the saline injection. I don't care. It's all going to your bottom line. Right? Yeah. That's an easy one, yeah. right? That's one that should – and they didn't do it. Nope. You are not the party of life. The, the other thing I read an interesting article, speaking of abortion, don't mind if I do. Don't mind if I do. Is that – My uh, favorite topic. The No, the the argument – read a good <clears throat> article about <clears throat> how this person made the case, I'm not pro-life, I'm anti-abortion. And their their point was we used to not want to be called anti-abortion because, oh, you're anti-something, you're anti-choice. And pro-life is this happy – who could be anti-life, right? So I'm pro-life. But then the other side, the pro-abortion side said, well, if you're going to be pro-life, you got to jump through all these other hoops. you got to be adoption. you got to be end-of-life care. you got to be against the death penalty. you got to be all these other things before you lecture us about the evils of abortion or you're not really pro-life. And read a great article about this guy saying, I am all those things, but I don't want to talk about them. What I want to talk about now is I am – I do not like – I am anti-abortion. And I think that's a winning – I think that may be a winning way to go about uh, changing positively the public discourse on abortion. Right. There's other life issues that we – at some point we can talk about. Fantastic. But I want to hone in on this one. I am anti-abortion. Yeah, and it's it's the same tactic that um, we use against socialism. Like if you like single-payer health care, then you want the government to run Apple. <laughs> no. So that is – you're – Point well taken that. But I, I just think that if we go on anti-abortion, we'll just lump into that. Oh, then you're anti-woman. And you're also anti-being a good person because everybody knows you're a bad person and you're anti-this. And I mean they'll just – the tactic The tactic, but frankly that sounds, works. But that sounds desperate. No, I'm just saying I'm anti-abortion. When it I say also I'm, sounds desperate to be like, well, then you have to be pro-adoption and everybody who's pro-life is like, yeah, I'm definitely you, that. you pro-embryo adoption. <laughs> yeah. But, but right but, – but the – but I think that's a distraction from the issue. If you can get me to stop talking about abortion and start talking about the death penalty and backtracking defending my position on the death penalty, which is over here and statistically insignificant compared to the number of lives that are affected by abortion, yeah, you're winning the debate because you have me over here. But if I'm anti-abortion, you're anti-woman. How? How am I anti-woman? Well, it's the same – that's the you're same You're not letting them do abortions, right? Because I believe abortion is murder. It's, it's the same. Am, why not just call yourself anti-murder, right? I mean, because <laughs> nobody's anti-murder. Anti-baby killing. Yeah, nobody's anti-murder. We all want to kill somebody. We just want them to be over there. <laughs> we want, 
Yeah. And I got in this, there's a family member of mine. We got in this in, insane um, argument about um, when, when Trump used to want to pull troops out of Syria, and I don't think he does anymore. It's this whole weird thing. Uh, All of a sudden, my very, very left-leaning family was like, can you believe that? That we're pulling troops out? Because Trump did it. It's wrong. Because the, tri- the, the wrong tribe wants to pull troops out of Syria now. Yeah. The bad I, tribe. And I kept being like, but, I, but, but you, you guys. You're the anti-war party. What's what's happening? They're they're the resist they're the resistance. Yeah, and I don't think that's a winning tactic. It is. People want to know what you're for. Yeah, the the Democratic Party is is in a. They're going to find a way to get Trump reelected. Oh, there's no question in my mind. Which this is an easy one for them to win. Democrats. I disagree with you on just about everything. (laughs) All the things. (laughs) But let me tell you how to win this one. Right, you don't run a Biden. You don't run anybody that anybody knows. You run a no-name, blank slate with a clean record, and they they you run away fine. with it. <laughs> no, I mean as a politician, I don't mean as a Democrat, <laughs> somebody with with a clean slate and no skeletons in their closet, but no, that, no but dick that, pics floating around. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Good luck. Are we going to talk about Florida? And <laughs> oh, can we? <laughs> but I, so but no, but no, but that's what's going to win because all these people that you're running have a history where they've the, people know them they've already formed opinions and 45% of the country already's formed a negative opinion on everyone in your party that's thrown their hat into the ring. Yeah. You need to find somebody that is that nobody has opinions of. That's why Hillary lost. America had already decided we don't like Hillary. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it, so there's this uh, we were kind of dancing But please this. don't do that because I want you to lose. Yeah. I, well, uh, do you, you want Trump again? No, I want Trump to lose too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you want a unicorn to win? I do. We need to find a unicorn. <laughs> happy, happy unicorn. But we, we were kind of dancing around this that, that I think like in our specific, you know, sort of small tribe of um, conservative Christians, we think that all Christians, you know, if, if you're a Christian and, and faith matters to you, you're a conservative. You're a Republican. When there's a lot of people, and I, it's almost like in, in my church and in some of the churches I've been at, people like in secret are like, you know, I, I feel like I can trust you. I, I love Jesus, and I'm I'm conservative in some ways, but I am a Democrat. I'm like, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. We ought to be more. We should be more vocal to that Christian middle, and that Christian middle that is unsure about oh, I mean, they're, you're playing the game but they love i know I'm, I'm, i mean just as as a faith they love jesus we, we can say you know there's a there's a whole giant slice of christians who are for same-sex marriage and i think that the temptation for those who are far-right christians is to say well you're not really a christian and jesus obviously doesn't matter to you like well, no, they really do actually love Jesus, and I'll tell you they're wrong. <laughs> I, I can tell yeah, you that yeah, yeah. this no. is incorrect, but you can't just discount their faith and say that. They so I'm going to give you an Jesus. example of what you're talking about after I talk about what I want to talk about. Go for it. No, I, I think as Christians, we'll stand outside the fray of where do you fall on the left right spectrum and say, if you believe that human beings are inherently sinful and evil, right? Why would you want to give a small group of people a lot of power? Oh yeah. I think we can make the case that from a theological perspective and help people wrestle with you and me pastors, not like Joe citizen Christian let's, and not don't use this phrase because then people go to sleep. Let's think theologically about government. 
What did God create government to do? Curb evil. And we'll begin the discussion there because nobody's talking about, so we believe God created government. What did he create it to do? Then you ask the question, can government do things that it wasn't created to do? Because mm-hmm. I think if you go, what was it created to do? You end up with a very small, from scripture, a very small list of things. Yep. Then you say, okay, but does that mean it can't do other things? No, nope. it can. Should we expect it to do those things well? Well, maybe in some cases, yes. In some cases, no, depending on how your government is structured. But let's be thinking about it that way versus my guy's going to give me more of what I want and your guy's going to give me less of what I want. So I'm voting for my guy. Like Christians, we can do better than this, Mm -hmm. right? Like honestly. Mm -hmm. So let's try to move the debate towards thinking from a Christian worldview. Yeah. Human nature, you know, begin with human nature, move into – because humans are going to be in the government. Do you want sinful human beings to have a track record of killing and murder and death and carnage to a small group of people to have a lot of power? Maybe you do. Maybe you think that there's some super race of people known as politicians that we should all – that know better than we do. Maybe, maybe, right. Maybe they're the anointed. Maybe God's chosen them, whatever. And then what did God create government to do? If we can direct the discussion to those two issues as pastors, I think we've done our job. Yeah. I I think that, so what I believe a a valuable way forward to something that isn't this two tribe system is to recognize that there is a, there is a group of people that, that slides across the two tribes and Mm -hmm. we have, access to them and intelligent access to them. They're called Christians. And that's okay because I don't think either party represents a consistent ideology. Oh no, not at all. They're tribes now. And I think if you had parties that were consistent in their political philosophy and someone's moving between the two, you're going, you're just, you don't know what you believe. But now, yeah, no, I think, I mean, we've turned into tribes where there is no consistent ideology. So there's like the, I saw an article, um, online about the pastor at Hillsong giant super duper mega church out in California. And it was, you know, the, the conservative Republican tribe just ripping this guy and saying that he is the worst because he he's pro choice and wants to kill babies. He actually listened to what he said. And, and by the way, to be clear, a little asterisk, I don't like the guy. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's garbage. But what he said was, I don't want to to hit that topic. I, I want to start with, do you know Jesus? What do you believe? And I'm over here nodding my head, going, "Dude, that's a that's yeah. solid, yeah, yeah." Let's let's let we should start there, and you don't have to. This the the, the mindset is in order to be. So what, what this blogger was essentially doing, without I don't think knowing it, is saying, in order to be a Christian. You have to have all of these other things. You have to be how perfect do you need yeah, to be? Pro life. You have to be anti same sex marriage. You have to be this, 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 and this, or you're not on our team. I'm like, dude, he's still on our team. We just need to do a little teaching. Yeah, and and I don't even know that he is pro choice. Like from what I read, it was like, listen, there's a lot of things that happen. People come from different experiences and and things happen in their lives. I want to talk about their faith and I'm I'm thinking, yeah, that what if somebody comes through my doors in in my church and when they were young and they didn't have a solid core of faith and belief or they were just scared and something happened, they had an abortion. Sorry. Now welcome here, Mark of Cain. But how many people in your ch- I know your church is is perfect. It is. 
You have Petrak. He's pretty good. He's going to Petrak people. <laughs> He's gonna, yeah, let's you, make that a verb. <laughs> we we do. So so what, what what you listeners need to know is that Dan Petrak, the the incoming associate pastor at, at Living Faith Clive, works out at the same place that I work out at and that our associate pastor, Andrew Coop, works out at and that our church planter, Aaron Hanneman, works out at. So sometimes the four of us will be there because we don't have a lot to do, apparently. <laughs> day jobs. That's also why I'm And when you're all morning. there, you're not lifting. Not when Petrak shows up. <laughs> so we actually – so Dan, we love you and we, we really do. But darn it, you stood us up at dodgeball. So this is my this is my passive yeah. Head surgery. My doctor said, no, I have a doctor's note. <laughs> Coward. No kidding. He's old. You got to remember, he's, he's super old. really old. He is. You're going to have to speak loudly and clearly. <laughs> if you see him wandering, please return him back to the church. Yeah. No, yeah. but he, we have a verb where if he comes in when you're working out, you're going to get Petra. <laughs> you're kidding. <laughs> you will not finish. Because <laughs> Dan, I mean, this is to your credit. You're a good talker. Yeah, he knows. Uh, he's it. a very good talker, yeah. and so you get drawn in by the intrigue of he's engaging. He is, and then you realize I gotta go. Like all my workout time got got Petrak. <laughs> <laughs> you verbed him. I love it. Oh yeah, <laughs> planting my flag on this. Being <laughs> you know what's funny is um, so was, we were debriefing after he kind of um, sat and talked to elders and council, and, and I've had this conversation with a bunch of people, and they keep saying like. My my people do love and appreciate me. And like as we're having this conversation about, you know, well, he's really good because he balances you out. He's complimentary, this and that. And we're, we're getting to that point of like saying, yeah, there's, you know, you've got your strengths and he's got his strengths. And he's nice. Exactly. It gets, to this, <laughs> it gets to this awkward moment where and I just will say it. I'll be like, kind of. I go, he's nicer than me. And everybody's like, ah, oh, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it, but that's true. <laughs> He is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, dude, it's, it's okay. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I, had somebody, I did that just the other day to somebody going, oh, he's, he's way more approachable and nicer than me. And they were like, but, but you, you're, you're no, nice. And, yeah. And I'm like, dude, it's okay. <laughs> it's not, yes. not my thing. I'm not unapproachable, but. You're not Mr. I'm not Dan. Dan when is when, awesome. When I'm dying, I'm not calling for you. Good. No, I don't want to come. Maybe, maybe I would because you wouldn't want to be there. Son of a gun wasted my time. No, That'd Dan is – he's natural at it. Like he's one of those guys where – He's loving. Yeah. It's a it's – a, it's without, not... without being loving. Or overbearing. Like that's the other one where I hate where it's like somebody who just wants to – Maybe that's a me thing. Like, don't I don't want to. I don't here. really don't have any problems right now. Thanks. Things are good. No, really. I'm just you can let your guard down. No, I, my guard's not up. Now it's up. Yeah, <laughs> just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, no, he's nicer than me. That's good. He's like like people are trying to say it in a nice way, and I I don't need you to be nice to me. That's again the difference. You actually Dan. prefer when people aren't nice yeah, to you. No, just say it. He's nicer than me. It's fine. I'm okay with that. Um, what are we talking about when we talked about? He's old. Drag? He is. Old he now. is so old. <laughs> Dude, that's the downside. I mean, yeah. we we got to have to in, like but he'll he'll steal your needles of, when you're not wanting. Well, and it's I mean we we got to be realistic. He's only got a few years left, you know, in this world. You're doing a favor for his to his wife by letting him. It's kind of his bucket list thing. Yeah, be a we, pastor. Like, we have to be planning oh, in the future yeah. because we have to be look. We should probably start looking for our next associate now. He's he's you're gonna he's gonna be doing senior once he signs once he's installed be like. So our new senior ministry program, 
<laughs> to, to be clear to anybody who doesn't know him, he's exactly six years older than me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which but which that's is really old. old. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> I give him so much grief about it. It's hilarious. Uh, Politics and uh, no. So the story I was going to tell you about, about what, yeah. kind of along the lines of what you're saying about how there's certain things that if Christians have that strike against them, we, we write them off and you have to be a certain level of perfect to join the club, right? First of all, when Jesus calls disciples, it's a call to follow me. And it's interesting that he does not lay out the plan of this is what it's going to mean. Here's the contract, right? Here are the terms of employment and you sign at the bottom knowing the terms. You don't know the terms in exchange for that. Come as you are, Mm -hmm. right? So it's this, it's this, you're coming in and you're a filthy, dirty sinner, and I'm taking the risk that you're going to like infect the group. On the other hand, you have no idea where following me is going to take you. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. We neither want to. This is like love at first sight kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like we went on one date and got engaged and they got married and let's do this thing. It's like any marriage. Nobody really knows somebody when they get married. Oh, I, I love this. We're not ready to get married. Like, <clears throat> nobody is. So you should get married. Yeah. Then you'll be married. So we. Had a, had a discussion with a young lady in our church, um, and she's living, surprise, living with her boyfriend. Shock. In this day and age? And it was interesting to hear – she's millennial, right? Huh. Again. But it was interesting to hear why and going, everything you've said makes sense. There's no – there's nothing in the line of reason. I don't think you're you know, spoon-feeding me stuff, BS, because really I just want to – I just want to be able to roll over and hook up, mm-hmm. right? Like that was not the reason. And going so as a church, they, the reason why they're living, the, the pros for living together, they've thrown out makes sense. The one con I have is, so when you see them getting into the shower every morning, you're going to want to get in with them, right? It it creates a temptation. Yeah. So, for a couple like that. What does the church do? Well, you're not communing till you move out. I know. And like, okay, this area of your life needs a little bit of work, mm-hmm. right? You probably made a bad decision on moving day, right? You tell me you're not banging. I've got other things to worry about at, at that point. Like that's, tell me you're not banging and let's, I'm going to put pressure on you to get married soon. Do a little service in my office, get married, boom. And that was the, it was interesting. The one question that they couldn't, they didn't know that because they want the big wedding, right? Mm-hmm. And going, great. In two years, we can do a big party at the church for you guys. Wedding service, whatever. We'll tweak the word so it's true. <laughs> but, let's, but let's get married in my office like soon. Mm-hmm. Family only and whatever. And in two years from now, if you want to blow 50 grand on the wedding of your dreams, you won't. <laughs> but just let me know. We can do that too. Yeah. You can do that like – yeah, you can do that. I've, um, I've performed three weddings that were essentially that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and, and two of them did have the, and, and it wasn't, neither one was too far off. I mean, one of them was about a year, I guess. Um, and it was just, it was just cool. Like they, oh, yeah. they just did it. And it was everybody, people were like, well, but if we do that and like, we're already married, then people won't come because we're already married. And I was like, if those jerks don't come to your wedding because you're already married i don't want to come and celebrate like you don't want them at your wedding they're jerks they're yeah idiots <laughs> you have to tweak the vows a little bit 
Well, for sure, but you still have a party afterwards, oh. and there's beer and dancing and fun. And if right. people don't want to come to that, you don't yes. want them to come to that. <laughs> right. It's fine. No, I did that for in my last church for a couple. <clears throat> Somehow, like, they made an offer on a house, and they didn't think, whatever. Anyway, they end up buying this house together. Like, well, we want to – we both bought the house. We want to both live in the house, but we want to be right in the eyes of God, and we do it, da-da-da. And did a nice little service for them in a gazebo in the backyard of one of the parents. And it was fantastic. And six months later, a year later, whatever, they do the big church. Everyone's there. It's like, yeah. good. The problem for us, is like, so you guys made the mistake of, for them, was buying the house. For this couple here, it's move-in day was your mistake because now you put yourself in a situation where there's temptation. But everything you've done since then is good. Do I go back to the one bad thing you've done and been like, this is unforgivable. We can't yeah. move on from here. Be like, you know what? That was dumb, but you've made good decisions since then. Right. Yeah. That's the whole, what I always, and Dan and I just had this conversation is to move people yes. towards. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. the goal. Move Process. them towards sanctification and holiness. That is the idea of this. Now, now it's just a conversation about what's the best way to do that. And um, that that should be like I mean, I, the way I describe it to, to couples who are having sex before marriage is um, the church is always about helping sinners um, not only find redemption but move towards holiness. That's what we do. Now, yours happens to be sex before marriage. This shouldn't be the special category of oh, that's the one. That was the one. Like everything else, lying, cheating, stealing. Killing those, 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 if you did that, we can move you towards holiness, but I'm sorry, you're having sex. So you can't join the club. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. That was the mistake. But since then you've made nothing but good decisions. Right. Right. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the out of, uh, has a baby out of wedlock, right? Okay. Well you got knocked up, but since then you've done everything right. Yeah. You brought the baby to term, you married the baby daddy, you know, you are taking care of your child. Like, so as a church, do we focus on. Remember that thing back then, way, 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 like that you didn't do right? That's who you are. That defines who you are. Ooh, really? Now you're talking my sermon this weekend. Really? Because if Jesus did that to me, I'd be pretty screwed. I'd be in trouble. Yeah. So the, um, the is there repentance? Is there a change? Yes. Since then, they've done everything right. That's the change. What, do you want them to cry and beg in front of the church and say, I'm sorry? And more than once. That's not real repentance. Real repentance is... Oh, you did bad thing here. Then you started doing good thing. Yeah. Hey, that's real repentance. Yeah. The way I describe it, like literally my language is saying, well, you, you did this in the wrong order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, you, you, you meet, you, you court one another, you get engaged, you get married, you have sex, you have baby. Like that's, that's, that's the order, but you did it in the wrong order. One of the things that the church loves to do is to help its people reorder and put their lives back in order. Mm -hmm. Let's do that. I, I say, like, let's do that. Okay, let's do that. What is, what is a good step in doing that? Getting married. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, so that's changing the order of the now married, having sex, have baby. We can do that now. I do that now. Okay. We asked the couple that's living together, like, do you have plans on breaking <clears throat> up? Do you have plans? Like, is this, do you have like a six month relationship lease with each other? <laughs> No, so you guys intend on making this a forever thing. Yeah. All right. So make it a forever thing. Joni and this I jokingly hard. do that. We Every year on our anniversary, we sign a one-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> one-year 
<laughs> we re-up. Like, oh, I was looking at the free agency markets. Not great. We put the <laughs> franchise tag on you. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> we do have a no trade clause. On the other hand, free agency. <laughs> Yeah. I'm trying out with this other team. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, it's the whole point is it's ridiculous tongue in cheek because that's, um, that's how people exist. I think when it comes to marriage, I mean, that's kind of what marriage is, is it's a, it's a limited contract. You know, we'll, we'll sign up with indefinite terms, but there's always an option to opt out. Well, I married you, so you won't break up with me. Right. Uh, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the whole promise ring thing to the extreme. The only reason why we're doing this is I don't want you to break up with me. Yeah. No, if you can find someone better, go for it. Yeah. Until right. we're married. Then married, like, you yeah, know, this is it. Mm-hmm. Unless, yeah. unless it's not, unless you do find somebody better, then it's all, right? Isn't that how, am I doing this wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably doing this wrong. And Joni, this is why so many people pray for you. <laughs> you have no idea. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have to rethink that one. But yeah, th- this conversation it's part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation. There's actually another person um, who's not a member of our church, but um, a member, a faithful member of a church, and has kids in our preschool who is super duper pro-choice. And I and I've debated bringing her in and, and having the conversation that I had with Kelsey, um, but it's I feel like she comes at it from another wonky and not. Um, I just I don't know that she's been all the way through the perspective because one of the things that I know she posts on Facebook is why I know this. She's very passionate about making sure that abortion procedures are available because there are times when a woman has to have an abortion, mm. and she has had several of these. Um, she is a boy. She she's got every medical issue I can think of. And uh, I couldn't give you a full list, but I mean, she walks around with EpiPens. She's allergic to literally everything. Um, I think she's got Ehlers, Dems, whatever that's called, uh, EHD or whatever it is. Um, So she's got all these medical issues where, and, and she's got a couple of kids, but a few times later in her pregnancy, either the, the fetus was no longer viable. I mean, no heartbeat died in the womb and had to go through the abortive procedure to abort that fetus or um, <clears throat> has been in that, in that position where uh, the, the child is, is you know, an ectopal pregnancy or mm-hmm. I mean, just other things where she had to ha- – she wanted the baby. She didn't want to have the abortion, needed to have the abortion or she dies or the baby's already dead. And she's like, we have to – that's why I'm so solidly pro-choice. has to be an option. That's not really the position of the right. That's not really the position of pro-life people. I don't. I don't know that there's anybody who who is. is I'm, I'm as pro-life as you can get, and I'm like, well, yeah, duh. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. But it's the same. Like logistically, the things that they do to remove that unborn fetus is the same sure. thing. If it was an elective abortion. And it's the same, and they call it an abortion. I mean, medically, it's termed an abortion. What am I aborting? I mean, ab- yeah. I'm, I'm not aborting anything. We're, we're, I'm we're not against- aborting a pregnancy. The pregnancy ended when my baby died. I mean, you could you could argue because when we say abortion, abortion, abort to stop something, what is it we are aborting? Well, we're we're saying elective abortion, not medically necessary. 
Now, we do need to have a, a, a discussion on medically necessary. But linguistically, you want to use a different word. I know. Because abortion, what am I stopping? Well, it, it, the, the development of the baby in the <clears> womb already stopped. Tragic. Very sad. But I wouldn't call that an abortion. Well, there are those – there are um, cases where like an ectopic pregnancy, that mm-hmm. the fetus is not dead. But if it continues to grow, it will kill the mom and it will die itself. Mm-hmm. But you abort it before it's, it's no longer living. That's an abortion. But I'm for that case. Not yeah. again it. Because <laughs> again, it, it, it's, it's no help to anybody – if by our policy everybody dies, <laughs> like this is – we didn't save the fetus and we didn't save the mom. OK. I'll cool. <laughs> I'm not saying I disagree with you, but let me just let me just argue it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we – it's OK to kill if we can predict the future. In some cases, you can 100 percent predict the future. What if 99 percent? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's where the that's conversation – That's the slippery slope is like – Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the that's the issue with the um, some people are like the and again I'm not saying I disagree with you just right. playing that out like the the New York case um, the New York case says that um, a a mother can abort a child um, if it is so so the language the the whole reason it caused a stink was not because the physical stuff changed like a late term abortion had always been legal in New York and it's legal everywhere in those cases where um, <clears throat> the life of the mother is at risk. Mm-hmm. And now that that debate aside of what does at risk mean, 95%, 85%, whatever that is, set that aside. What New York did is add the mental risk, emotional or mental risk. Mm-hmm. So if uh, if a woman has a perfectly healthy pregnancy, but late in term says I'm getting a little sad. I I can't deal with a baby. I can't have a baby. I, I don't know I won't make it. I would it. go nuts. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Now it's no, legal. I've, I've read York. that law all the way through, and it, you can see exactly what it's designed to do. Yeah, it's designed to say you have free access to the termination of your pregnancy for any reason. Yes, up yes. to birth. But I think <clears throat> we need to wrap things up here in a few minutes. I think the pro-abortion groups um, are are going to tragically misread, have tragically misread where where the middle of America stands on this issue. If you look at um, research has been done, I think it was Pew did a study or a survey on pro-anti-abortion since the Virginia thing, since the New York thing, since all these new ones. And there has been a sizable shift in America going, uh, that's not what we meant. And they're pushing yeah. back hard. The problem is you have one political party that is now firmly entrenched in guaranteeing the right to abortion for any reason up to and even after the moment of birth. Yeah. And America is not there. No. <laughs> they are nowhere close to that. And no. I, I think the pro-abortion crowd, good, right, has tragically uh, misunderestimated um, where America stands. And I think it, I think it will, good, hurt them. Yeah. Because um, what where America, the center of America was on this issue, I think was – we just don't want to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> like, like this yes. whole thing makes us a little nervous. We don't want to control, but as long as you're willing to say like Democrats, like we don't really want abortion, but we want it. What was Clinton said? Safe, legal and rare. And rare. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's kind of where that middle 20% was, but the Democrats were like, 
no, we want it safe, legal, and whenever the heck you want it. Yeah. And America's going, yeah, that's not really it. We still want it to be stigmatized a little bit. Yeah. Like it, we don't want you shouting your abortion. And it, I think that the the middle was a little miseducated uh, that they thought that most mm-hmm. abortions came as a result of there's something wrong with this child. Mm-mm. So I aborted it. Um, it's they, They're thinking it's rare because, you know, most pregnancies go go OK. I mean, it's it's not all. I mean, there's a significant number where. But yeah, I don't know what I would do if, if I knew that I was pregnant with a child. And I already have three kids and I'm going to be – might die with this one kid. So now I can't be a mom to my three living kids. Or just – yeah. Or, or this this child has some deformities. Well, and, and people that I agree with politically are pro-choice. Yeah. So maybe I should be pro-choice too. Yeah. The vast majority – I just don't want to think about it. I yeah. think that's where the middle was. I just don't want to yeah. – as, as, as long as there's a little bit of stigma attached to it, I'm OK with it being allowed to a point. And that's why that's it was where they were. It was like twenty weeks or whatever the the law tended to be for a while. That the idea was, yeah, if it doesn't look like a baby, I'm okay yeah, with it. Yeah, I mean that's you got pregnant. You got you got twenty weeks to 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 come up with the cash. It's about seven hundred bucks. <laughs> and I know. So I personally have known three women who've had an abortion, and all three of them have been: I got pregnant, didn't want to be pregnant, got the abortion. That's it. There were there was no. Um, it, it might cost me my life. I was you know it was a, a unhealthy pregnancy or at risk pregnancy. The child had malformations, and and I and I'm not saying I agree in abortion in those cases, but that's what the middle who was like sort of uh, duh, should happen in some cases. I think they they were thinking that wanna, those are the cases. I don't want real people to die. Yeah, I mean that's where they're at. Yeah, but eh, what the heck? What? Yeah. So I, I think that this is a great opportunity, and I, and I hope that we don't spend all of our time focused just on look at these crazies who who want abortion, you know, even after birth and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> we should spend some time there, but then let's move this conversation. So if we are all, for the most part, for the majority of people in the middle and the right, are saying definitely don't kill babies after they're born, when can we kill babies? Like that's the discussion I want to have. So you're saying it's murder, <laughs> right? So the the I always say like so if, when it's when it's in a woman, you can kill it. But if you move that sucker twelve inches, now well, you and they and they do procedures where they will take the baby out of the womb, do a surgery, and then put it back in. Yeah. What just happened there? Good, like, thing, I, good thing you didn't die when it was outside the womb. That'd be murder if it died inside the womb. That's just it's a procedure. Yeah, but. I think the big question now we're now we're on the abortion issue, but I think I think the big question for us we just got a couple minutes to go. I gotta do chapel back at my church. We do chapel every day. It's a good thing. The thing for the pro life community or the anti abortion community is we have limited resources to promote life. And where do we put those resources? And I think there's one thing we've learned in the forty plus years since Roe v. Wade, forty six. Something like that, yeah is that giving money to politicians has not been a good investment. Nope. And so what I would like to see is, yes, engage the public discourse, the political discourse, but put your money towards local resources to help scared pregnant women make good decisions. Be with them when they're pregnant. Be with them when they give birth. Be with them if they keep their baby after birth, raising their kids. Person by person. Because that that's one – if you help a – 
a scared teen mom, right? We're going to walk this is, yep, you can do this. We're going to walk with you. We're going to help you get your high school diploma. We're going to walk with you and that we're going to have the diapers and wipes and all that stuff for you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to help you. There's one person you, you have whose mind on the issue you've not only is the baby's life saved, but you've changed the heart of the mom and probably of the baby daddy. Yeah. And I think that is a much better investment yeah. than throwing money at, at politicians that make promises that up to this point they have largely not delivered on. Yeah, I made the argument um, on that that abortion podcast I did with Kelsey that you know so I'm I'm a, a pro single payer healthcare guy and a lot of people disagree with me but if we made I like unicorns too they're very nice they're, if we made abortion illegal in my own little utopia there would be a great deal of resource going to unplanned pregnancies single moms mm-hmm. huge amount of resource going to that I I would even argue that um, there ought to be like a universal basic income for a couple years so that mom can, can do a good job raising the child at home and not have to worry about her bills and stuff. Let's, let's seriously take care of them. Can we talk about the proper role of government? <clears throat> I'm just saying that that's right. yeah, a yeah. good thing and it's a good thing to support whatever. Um, again, this is my, my unrealistic utopia, but my, my viewpoint being that I don't, I don't, I don't think any, any 16-year-olds are going to go out there and, and get pregnant because they're going to get three years of universal basic income and, and free healthcare. That'd be great. Let's do it. I'm going to go get pregnant because then, you know, that ends at some point and now you got to figure out life. But let's let's not make it so daunting right off the bat because if you get, I mean, a, a, a kid in high school getting pregnant, and th- this is where I'm telling you most of the abortions I know about are in that young age bracket Mom and dad put pressure. You're never going to amount. Now you're, our, dad, our hopes yeah. and dreams for you aren't going to be realized. Mom and dad I don't, wanna, don't even know about it. I don't want to be a grandparent. Yeah. Age, whatever I am. Well, they don't even know. I mean, I, I know. Uh, I know a lot of kids. Sometimes. I, I don't know the stats on that, but I. Well, nobody does. That's it, They're unknowable stats because they don't tell anybody. But I've, I've, I've had a couple of. Um, I've had a handful. So I, I know of three, meaning I know them. But I know of. A, a lot who got pregnant, either high school and college, got the money together, got to Planned Parenthood, got the abortion. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Well, in your church, how many how many women in your church? You know, yeah. good Christian sisters, right? Sisters in Christ made that mistake mm-hmm. and are 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 have to wake up every day, yeah, knowing that they are they are the mother of the baby that they killed. And that is that is something that when we preach on the topic, when we talk about it, I almost feel like we need to ask permission from them to say, look, I know that just by – in the same way with divorced people, like just by saying the word abortion, by saying the word divorce, the neurons inside of your head are doing a very disruptive dance. But to help other people not go through the pain that I know you went through, let me talk about this, mm-hmm. right? I'm not doing this to rub your nose in it. I don't – that's that's not who you are anymore. You're in Christ, you're a new creation. But there's other people out there that this message may help them from going down that same path that you know you wish you hadn't gone down. Yeah. So uh, th- th- there's a right way and a wrong way to talk about that. Dan Dan will do a much better job than you. <laughs> I'm going to have him on the podcast soon, and you got to get out of here, right? Go do your pastor's I have to. I have to go to work today. Boo. I don't know. Chapel every day, so you never get a day off? Monday, Coop does chapel sometimes. We let him talk. Oh, really? 
Hmm, he says words. That's interesting. He should come sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard pass. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, he's okay. I, don't, I just don't really like him that much. He's kind of a jerk. He is, and he really needs to work out more. Hard to get along with. He's yeah. lazy. He is. Very undisciplined yeah. in his life. Not very athletic. He needs to develop some good good disciplines and habits in his life. Yeah. I don't All know. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get him fired. <laughs> Can't you just fire him? He doesn't know that. I've told him I can't, but uh-huh. he's got a little surprise waiting for him on Monday morning. <laughs> nice. Love right, you, man. Coop. Thanks for coming in. Talk to you later. And there you have it. Uh, like I said, fun episode. Always fun talking with Duncan. Um, pretty smart guy, even though uh, he looks like a Neanderthal. Uh, I'm just kidding. I love you, Duncan. And uh, I forgot that, w- that we dogged on... Uh, on Dan a little bit. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> That's kind of but we love you, brother. We love you. Um, yeah, anyways, what else? Um, yeah, I guess uh, follow me, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and uh, Kari's. Follow Kari's Coffee on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, we need more followers out there. And if you feel like giving a donation to help us get this thing off the ground, that would be awesome. We have a GoFundMe out there. Just search for Caris. That is X-A-R-I-S. Uh, we would love some more donations, seed money, uh, get this thing up off the ground and flying. So, anyways, until next time, uh, be good.